multi-part. It's a multi-parter. Welcome to Tangent Space. I'm John K. Hayes. And I'm Brandon Anderson. This week, I thought we would try to answer a question I got from a student a few weeks ago. We were talking after class, and he wanted to know what the coolest things I learned in physics. Um, and so that got me thinking of things that would be interesting and possible to explain to someone who doesn't have a background and give people an idea of what physics is actually about rather than the boring blocks sliding down inclined planes and all the stupid stuff they try to teach you in intro physics, which is boring as hell. <laughs> Somebody taught lab too many times. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, more than once is too many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, maybe we need to remind people <laughs> that we both used to be physicists. This is not like... What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we mentioned it. Uh, but yeah, John and I this went to grad school together in Santa Cruz. Um, and both had at least one. John had two postdocs after that. So we were in, in the field for like 10 years total after our undergraduate degrees. Yep. We're not nobodies. Check out my Google Scholar index of <laughs> some pathetic amount. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, there's papers. We have papers. Yep. Yep. I, and the thing is, I always loved the work I did. I always thought it was very interesting. I didn't think it was you know, too particular or boring, I always got really into it. And I was very proud of all the work I did. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but still, it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of stuff you could usually explain to just anyone. Right. Yeah, so anyway, what, what did you tell this guy, this person that asked you? What was the first thing that came into your head? Well, he was first asking, right before this, he was asking about wormholes. Um, Naturally. If they, yeah, as, as one does after a, a writing seminar on <laughs> science and politics. Yeah. And, yeah, so he was asking me basically if wormholes are a thing. Mm-hmm. And my short answer was yes. They are solutions to how we understand gravity currently. Whether or not you could make or use or these things actually exist is an open question. Mm-hmm. But people definitely do work on wormhole configurations, shall we say. Right. Um, which is pretty crazy when you think, if you actually step back and like imagine telling that to someone on the street. Like, yeah, I was just, you know, working on a, a wormhole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think most people would be just astounded that you could were do paid it. to do that. That's usually the reaction right. I get. Yeah, and so that led to asking about things, topics in general that I thought were interesting that, you know, that you don't hear about in, in typical intro physics. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing that popped into my mind was time dilation. Right. So this is the basic... Uh, fact you find out from relativity that Einstein came up with or discovered a hundred years ago, where things moving faster experience time more slowly. Right. And which is, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's even crazier is you have actual physical proof that this happens. Mm-hmm. And so the example I gave was um, muons, which is a particle like an electron, right. this heavy particle that's short lived. So if you were to make one. In the lab, it would decay into other things after, what, a microsecond, I think? Mm-hmm. So a, a millionth of a second. Right. And if you create them instead going very fast, or you observe them coming from cosmic ray showers or something like that, mm-hmm. instead you see them live for I don't know, indefinitely. 
I suppose. Right. Um, which is just like pretty crazy when you think about it. this thing that would decay normally in a millionth of a second. You can make it live as long as you want, basically, just by making it go faster. Right. Yeah, it does seem like kind of easy immortality, right? And then, of course, yeah, if yeah, the, uh, it's, just, it's all a bummer because then you learn that, like, from the muon's <coughs> perspective, it lived, it still only lived like a tenth of a second or something, you know? Yeah, everything else was going slower. <laughs> yeah. Instead. Which is... It's all relative. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a crazy one, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm... And so that led me to something that, um, and I was trying to explain it to myself earlier today. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of the explanation, so we might have to wing it. Okay. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to call me out on the math well, or the precise reason. They can't call in, so <laughs> go nuts. The lines are closed. They're officially closed. Yep. Um, yeah, so this reminded me of something I, if I'm remembering correctly, learned back when the first time I took relativity in college. And the idea is that the way we understand space and time is that they're linked together. So the dimensions of space and how we move through time are linked in a, in a way through geometry, through math, mm-hmm. which is not the way we think of them as being separate. They're tied together. And so the way, one way to think of time dilation is that imagine you are sitting still. Um, then you're moving just through time. Yeah, I'm doing it. And you're moving through time at the speed of light. Right? You're just going one second per second through time. Um, and in relative units, that means speed of light. And now that's the speed limit. That's as fast as you can go. So if you move faster through space, you necessarily have to move slower through time because you can't break the speed limit. It's a very strict law. And so therefore, if you move faster through space, you move slower through time. And time appears to be going more slowly for you or for things you see, depending on your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I remember hearing that, I was like, oh, that makes, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense without the math to see how it works out that way. Yeah. But put together like that, it has a nice kind of picture that, okay, if I were to start running around really, really fast, I would experience time more slowly or look like time is uh, happening more slowly for me. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah, so immortality. You just have to run really, really fast. Yeah, that's a weird one. I mean, you just have so much uh, oomph. You know, it's like if you were running, trying to run across a field, uh, you can go sideways, right? You're still running the same speed, but you're crossing the field slower, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just think of crossing the field as like time. You could just run sideways forever, and time wouldn't go anywhere, <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you move at the speed of light like a photon, then you, time doesn't really have any meaning. Right. Yeah, which is one of those weird deals. Like, anything moving at the speed of light, like a photon, technically exists, like, its entire lifetime all at once. Everywhere yeah. this, you know, photon that I see has been, it, it, it is still there from its point of view. You know what I mean? <laughs> this photon yeah. that hit me from the sun is still in the sun from its point of view. Mm-hmm. It's 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 at all points. That's so Jesus. It's like man. some Doctor Who shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that's Doctor so weird. Who. Yeah, cool. I wonder if there's any other like really good relativity uh, scenarios I've heard of. All the ones you learn, and <clears throat> maybe we can talk about this. All the ones you learn in class when you learn about special relativity, as it's called, mm-hmm. about things moving 
close to the speed of light, they always have these absurd paradoxes. Yeah, right? right? Like The twins and shit? The farmer, yeah, like the farmer or the farmer running with a ladder. Oh, yeah. And at rest, the ladder's too big for the barn. Yeah. But if he runs really fast, close to the speed of light, the length is shorter of the ladder from the barn perspective. And so if you close the door, does it fit? And like some bullshit like that, which is just absurd. Yeah, it's pretty true. Because it doesn't make any sense. Mm. And in the end, there's no like right answer because... Yeah, it depends on which frame of reference yeah, you have. It's just meant to like break you. It's like 1984 is your physics undergrad. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it feels like that in the class. You know, They're just telling you enough nonsensical shit that you will stop trying to like go by your intuition. One of these that I always thought about, but I'm pretty sure I never really, really understood Uh Maybe you can help. Yep. Is really the overall fate of the universe, so the curvature of the universe, if you will. This one, I remember also reading about when I was pretty young, uh, back when dating myself, <laughs> people didn't know <laughs> if if the universe was, as they say, open, flat, or closed. And those refer to the type of geometry that this describes, which basically means we had this Big Bang. We know that. Everything is speeding outwards. And if you think, you know, really the only force acting on us at this point is gravity, in between all the stuff, all the galaxies, yep. then we should be slowing down. Uh, it's like if you threw yep, a rock. Pulling us back together. Yeah, exactly. It should be, it's a force that only attracts, so we should be getting pulled back together. And I think it was a really natural thought early on to think that, well, you know, we got some initial velocity and it's going to slow us down and then we're going to all just stop and then go back together and have a, another yep. the big crunch as it was called and this one oh man this was such an appealing thought because you didn't have to think about a beginning and end anymore the universe suddenly was timeless and infinite which is so much easier to ingest like ironically <laughs> for your brain yeah. Now you just think, well, yeah, there was a universe before, and it crunched, and then it blew up, and then we're going to crunch and blow up, and then that's just the way it's always been and will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a very nice story. And anyway, this, I mean, it really, it, a good analogy for this process is like, a, think of it like escape velocity. Like, was the Big Bang escape velocity or not? And so, like, if I threw a rock up in the air, if I didn't throw it hard enough, it'll come back down. That's the big crunch. Uh, Flat, as it's called, is where I threw it just hard enough that it will constantly slow down as if it was going to come back to Earth, but never will. So it'll slow down. It'll stop at infinity. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, And and open is that you you did it. Escape velocity. Nothing will ever come back together. It's just going to keep flying apart and get further and further. And anyway, it turns out much to my <laughs> infinite sadness, the universe is not going to come back together as far as we can tell. It's it's flat, more or less, and from what anyone can tell right now, is accelerating outward, which makes what? no sense. Yeah, this is why we have dark energy, uh, which is this force that basically we just invented to explain the fact that when we should be slowing down because we're pulling on each other with gravity, which we definitely are, we're instead speeding up 
So there has to be some other force, really, or some other... Yeah, pushing us apart. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that's called dark energy. And anyway, we're not coming back together. The, the, the end point of the universe is called heat death. And, and it just means we're going to... Like, entropy is going to win. Every <laughs> entropy is this uh, <coughs> thing that measures the you know order of a system, and there's like a bunch of laws in physics that have to do with this and how it's always increasing. So, you know, this is why you know things that are broken never spontaneously come back together, uh, stuff like that. Well, they could. It just it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's possible. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, but things tend to isotropize, right? Isotropize. Like erosion, right? All the mountains will eventually all flatten out and the earth will just be flat and boring. Anyway, this is heat death, right? But with everything, like every sun will burn out, every erosion will happen, everything that can decay will decay. Uh, Basically all the energy will spread out evenly until nothing interesting ever happens again. But I think it's even worse because with with dark energy, right? The mm. as the universe expands, there's more energy right. pushing stuff apart. Right. And so in the far future you won't even have things like atoms because oh, you won't be true. able to have things bound. Yeah, that is gross. Ener- dark energy will push them apart. That's true. Yeah. Luckily it's not gonna happen for a very long time. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, when I when I hear about something like that, I think I wanna hunker down and make a galactic bunker <laughs> to weather this this horrible fate out you know, think about so you don't like, want to just become a, a nihilist and just live. assume they're right because nothing matters in the end yeah live for the moment no i don't know i mean my I, i'm a i'm one who preserves <laughs> <laughs> i so I, I i like to think about what could you do like what would be the longest lasting uh, civilization or like energy configuration. Where would you wait this thing out if you wanted to try and outlive everybody else? Um, so like a you know, Earth isn't a great choice uh, since the sun has like a, a a mere four billion years or whatever left before it goes yep. into a giant phase and consumes us. Uh, so that would be a bad start. But there are other places that wouldn't be so bad. Like for example, if you had you know, a brown dwarf or some kind of much longer lasting star, you'd be better off anyway. Or really just any kind of object that's compact enough that it can heat you with tidal forces. So this is one like these moons on Jupiter or Saturn that the inside leading edge of the planet close to the the, the big gas giant gets pulled in harder than the back edge. And that sort of yep. stretches the planet uh, into a football shape but the planet's also rotating, so the football shape gets like distorted through the planet as it goes around uh, the giant. And this sort of squeegeeing action like heats the moon up to the point where water boils. Like you can actually have a real long-lasting system this way because all you're doing is eating up the the orbit energy, and the orbit will eventually decay and you'll fall into the giant. But this is super slow, like even slower in some configurations than a star eating its fuel. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I don't know. What do you think? Are there? Can you think of another way? 
Can you beat that? <laughs> um, Where are you going to put your bunker? Yeah, that's tough, right? Because in the end, you just you need you need heat or energy of some sort. Mm-hmm. I guess you could have like a, I don't know, a Dyson sphere around a galaxy. Mm-hmm. A Dyson galaxy sphere. Type type three or whatever. Is that four? Uh, Fuck. Kardashev? Yeah, exactly. There's a type uh-huh. that uses all the energy in a galaxy. I forget what it's called. Was that the new one that they just added? Maybe, yeah. Insanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's not bad. I mean, I guess you're just going to lose... If you could actually Dyson Sphere uh, something like a galaxy... Okay, Dyson Sphere, for the people that don't know, is just the concept of like a, a shell to enclose a star or a, a source of energy. Yeah, so a huge structure. Yeah. That would prevent you from radiating this stuff into deep space. Anyway, so if you built such a thing over a, a, like an entire galaxy or whatever, I guess you're just going to be losing at the differential of heat rate, you know, from the outside of the Dyson sphere to the inside. Yeah, I need some good insulation. <laughs> yeah, some super duper R value. Well, how is it supposed to actually work? Does it just like supposed to be like perfect reflection to focus points and harvest the energy or mm. No, I think I think no, it's supposed to be wide wavelength, right? Wide spectrum. Yeah, I think the usual deal with life, right, is that you absorb at uh, you know visible wavelength and radiate at infrared. So all you you're not really keeping all the energy. You're just like taking a bit out of it and then shooting the infrared Uh, out the other side of the Dyson sphere. I see. Yeah. Well, the problem. I guess the problem is that once the star goes out, if you're just living on a gradient like that. You've been losing energy this whole time. You didn't store up anything, and as soon as the star goes out, you're dead anyway. Well, yeah, you need you need to be able to store. Yeah, you need like for the humongous batteries or whatever, and then you're just yeah, you might as well just build batteries. It didn't really matter that you were on a Dyson sphere, except that you could charge batteries just, faster. <laughs> yeah, you just you're getting more energy. So yeah, yeah, you can harvest all of it. Yeah, but as far as like lasting a long time, yeah, now we're just into batteries. Also. Speaking of what you were saying with relativity, though, I mean, if you were to go almost as fast as light, you could probably outlast people, right? Uh, I mean, not from your perspective, but but say you immediately went to, you know, 0.99, whatever, repeating the speed of light right now, you could shoot forward basically arbitrarily far. Yeah, technically outlasting everyone, but the problem, yeah. I guess, is now what 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 you were saying before, like about the dark energy, right? If you shot so far forward that your atoms can't hold together, do you just like explode <laughs> mid? <laughs> How does that work? Like, can it? Oh shit! Yeah, I mean, you're still existing in the same vacuum, right? So if you're going further outward and it's the energy is increasing then it's eventually it's going to be greater than the binding energy of your atoms oh fuck i forgot about dark energy dude that really fucks up my plans well i mean it's even i I forget the time scale but it's probably not the thing you need to worry about still i'm talking about last man standing here i guess relativity is probably the best way to go about it i mean it's really the best way to conserve energy. 
aside from getting yourself going that fast in the first place. But, I mean, from everyone else's point of view, right, like, everyone's like, okay, we got to hunker down, try to last as long as we can, and then I go flying by, and from everyone's point of view, I, like, I brought one sandwich, but I'm eating it. <laughs> it's taking you 10 to the 20 years to eat it. <laughs> exactly. And then it really sucks because I, I made it that whole way. Yeah, that might be a pretty darn good way. Although, yeah, I, I wonder if the like energy required to get me to that speed would be enough to feed my progeny for like a million years or whatever. Oh, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. Yeah, I guess... It probably would, yeah. But the point is, once you're going that speed, it's pretty foolproof, right? Like, <laughs> well, then there's all sorts of other issues, right? With like mm. radiation right. that you're receiving, and you could fly right through a star shit. or bounce too close to a supernova. It ain't like Dustin Crops, boy. <laughs> <laughs> What's that flashing? <laughs> Jesus, nice one. Yeah, this sounds like a very Douglas Adams type thing, right? Everyone's getting ready for the end of the universe, and this fucking thing just comes flying by, eating a sandwich unbelievably slow. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it's just such a stylish way to do it, right? Yeah. If you did it fast enough, you wouldn't even need a spacesuit. I could just... <laughs> I wouldn't even have to breathe. It would be like the space of one breath for me to last <laughs> like millions of years. Okay, okay. So these are pretty, I don't know, these are good. Uh, and I like that we have our own takes on them. But they're also pretty common knowledge, like, to the, you know, amateur physicist. Okay. Um, so what... to blow some minds now. Yeah, no, no, I mean, maybe not blow someone's mind, but, like, what? what's a more obscure one? What's something that you you wouldn't have seen unless you had done... A PhD or a postdoc. Ooh. All the ones I think about get very mathematical. Do you have anything in mind? I got one. Do tell. Yeah. We were talking about a bunch of forces today, right? So we got gravitational force, we got weak force, which causes like radioactive decay, electromagnetic force, which is all this positive negative business light uh, <laughs> technically speaking uh and did i say gravity anyway but i we didn't mention strong force which is the thing that holds uh nuclei together and anyway there's a bit you get to when you when you start to learn about um subatomic particles so you get into like quarks and quantum chromodynamics and all this stuff where you learn that say every proton and neutron right is made up of like a triplet right of of quarks and up and downs yep yeah and anyway they have they have all these other properties that are sort of like charge uh, but they've given their own names because they're they're not charge so they have like color and and strangeness and this is all this forest of magic sounding names Anyway, but there's a point where you're, you're doing these calculations um, in this framework for the forces between these things. And, and I remember there being like a, a bit where you get to this 
piece of math that shows the the force between two of these quarks as a function of distance. And you you put it you do this homework problem and you find out that it basically just grows exponentially the further apart the quarks are. And it's <laughs> really kind of blew my mind because I mean I can understand force getting stronger as things get closer, right? That's sort of intuitive to me. Like like gravity gets stronger magnets. as you get closer, right? Or or magnets is a great one, right? As the magnets get closer and closer, if they're the right configuration, they pull harder and harder, right? Mm -hmm. But this this thing is like two quarks are like magnets. They're pulling each other together. But the further apart you pull the magnets, the harder they try to pull back together. Like forever. There's no breaking point. You can't get the magnets so far apart that they forget about each other. These quarks would like destroy the universe to get back to each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think they. I think it does. It does break, right? The uh, does it? The flux tube between them, and you just get two quarks pop in to make. Oh yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you can't pair. go above the energy required to produce a new quark yeah. pair yeah, for each one. You put enough one. energy, then yeah, you just put in. You make another pair, and that that's true. Pops yeah. off. Oh fucking! But, but that's even super them. cool, right? Like what the? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I think the analogy would be: you have a rubber band. Mm -hmm. And you're pulling it apart, and it's harder and harder, and then at some point it snaps, and you have two rubber bands. <laughs> like two complete whole rubber bands. Yeah, amazing. Or like you're in a relationship, and you break up, and then immediately there's two new couples. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Bunch of crazy shit. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, I miss physics so good. I know. This is making me a bit nostalgic. I was prepared to be bored. Trying to you were prepared to stuff. be bored. <laughs> Tangent space. Prepare to be bored. <laughs> Prepare to be bored. <laughs> like pirates. But <laughs> Oh man. He found it. He found the pun. <laughs> Awesome. I like it. Hmm. Very good. Time Very pirates. Good. We can be called time pirates. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'd watch that. Prepare to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're changing our name. <laughs> uh, ooh. Um, physics is weird and so are we thanks for joining us on another episode of Tangent Space thanks guys